Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Come on, voice, don't feel me now. It's been all right. I'm getting through it. I'm more worried about you over there. Yeah, I know I don't sound good today. I don't like that. Don't like sounding bad on the radio for you guys. I apologize. What's the cause of this? The uh, the true cause of it. I mean, I think it's I think it's tree pollen. I don't know if the tree pollen counts high right now, but that's usually what hits me this time of year. What are you out there climbing trees for then? I did spend a lot of time outside yesterday because it's so nice out. What are you doing? Well, I did some yard work. I built some fi- I built a fire in my fire pit. Uh, we ate dinner on the deck last night because it was so nice. So maybe this is the maybe this is the price. Whenever the weather changes, you know, from cold to warm and all that stuff, that's usually when it when it hits me. But it's a it's a bad this morning. I you know, know they but... say it's good for that. <clears throat> What's that? Whiskey. Oh well. Let's you take a nice should... belt of whiskey right before the yeah. show started. I think we have some in the in the office. Well, go get some. Yeah, cl- clear the sinuses a little bit. Ones, yeah, absolutely. Rub it on your gums. Ah. See if that'll help you. What, what do you got there? That's some nasal care Ricola. Maybe I should have one of these. Do yeah, it right now during the segment. Yeah. Drake, do you see what's going on in here? I know you're chasing I'm trying to not watch. I brought him to... a box of Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> that help him out? How's that working out? Seems like as soon as I blow up my nose, it just fills right back up. Wow. What a what a vision you've given to our listeners. <laughs> what a What a picture you're painting. So I mentioned, if you want to read uh, a really good article or good column today, Peter King's last column, Peter King's Football Morning in America, uh, posted this morning. I retweeted it at SSJWHB, re-exed it, re-shared it on X, whatever. And he just goes through and, and, and thanks a number of people, um, his family and everything else, and talks about his career. And so that's a good read. Uh, but then he gets into the Chiefs a little bit and talks about Andy Reid and um, uh, some of the coaching staff and some of the players um, and some of the things that uh, he enjoyed about the uh, the Chiefs and, the, and their run of three championships over the past five years. And so it also talks about his favorite moment after uh, the Super Bowl where the 49ers beat the Chargers. So if you want to read that, that's a Super Bowl. The 49ers actually won. Ha! <laughs> Since they don't <clears throat> do that anymore. I'm sorry. But I, you know what? I'm not because they still bitch and complain. And so sorry, now not sorry. They're the 40 whiners. 40 whiners. I love that. Do you? Yeah. Because it rhymes. Yeah. With 49ers. Uh, but he goes through some of his uh, some of his favorite moments over the years and in interviews and different things. So if you're a fan of football and if you've been a fan of uh, Peter King and his work over the years, it's uh, definitely a must-read. So you can check that out. One of my, uh, uh, one of my recommendations of the day. I should recommend more things to read. I always talk about things to watch. People need to read more. Go read a book, Nate. Maybe that'll help you. Okay. Help you think some things through. 
I need to start reading some more long form. They say long form, uh, you know, literature is is dying because everybody just wants to read tweets and things that 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 take up like one sentence or less. So, with the Chiefs now, again, if you missed this a little bit earlier, uh, Tom Pelissero, uh, who writes uh, for NFL Network reported that the Chiefs and Andy Reid are expected to begin negotiations in the coming weeks on a new contract that NFL sources should, I believe, should soon make Reid the highest-paid coach in football. There's roughly five or six coaches that are ahead of him right now. Two of those coaches that were making more than him, uh, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, are no longer coaching, so you take those off the list. Um, and also, Brett Veach expected to get a new contract um, extension also in the coming weeks. So you take care of Andy Reid, you take care of Brett Veach, you've taken care of Steve Spagnolo, you've taken care of Dave Tobe. That's one of the remarkable things that uh, we're seeing right now with a team that's fresh off of winning back-to-back championships. They're not losing any coaches. They're not, they're not, they're not losing anybody. I mean, yeah. they, they have over the past few years, but I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable. It is. Um, and always, you know, some of it's, you know, a perfect storm of, you know, like you know, Spags maybe is, is older than some NFL franchises, uh, what they're looking for in a head coach, which is fine. But I, you know, if he wants to be a head coach, he certainly deserves the opportunity He's had, he's had two cracks at it. Has there the opportunity? Well, he was he was he was just in a room, but I mean, yeah. really one. Yeah, with the Rams. Um, but I'll tell you what, if 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 Andy Reid did retire at some point here in the near future, I would not be upset if they hired Spags no. to be his replacement. But but it's also it might just be the perfect spot where, and he said that he he would like to be a head coach again. But he's it's the perfect spot where he's uh, he's an accomplished defensive coordinator. He's a great defensive coordinator. But he's not just that big of a threat to move on and be a head coach. And so you got him. You got the right guy, and he's going to be here for this run. Or at least, like you said, until Big Red steps down. And based on everything we're hearing and with this contract extension, that ain't going to be for a while. And so, and and, and yes, they've the, the revolving door, not a revolving door, but the offensive coordinator, they had, they've had changes over the years. But, I mean, Andy Reid's the constant. I feel like... And nothing against all the offensive coordinators, but as long as Andy Reid is the head coach, you're not going to be too overly concerned about having to replace your offensive coordinator. Although we did see there are some intangibles, some things that the the coordinator does bring to the table, a la Eric Bieniemy, that um, that were very important besides just game plan, preparation, play calling. You know, he was he was a disciplinarian. On this uh, on this team, but they figured out a way to figure you know to, to right the ship and move on and uh, fix those things that were troubling the team that it appeared that uh, were problems because he wasn't there. Speaking of Eric enemy, we were wondering where his next stop was going to be, and I think this is going to be interesting to watch. He is leaving the NFL, and according 
to Pete Pete Thamel and Adam Schefter. He is finalizing has finalized a two year deal to be the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach at UCLA. He will serve as associate head coach, offensive coordinator under new UCLA head coach Deshaun Foster, who was elevated to head coach last week after Chip Kelly left to become the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Bienemy previously served as a running backs coach at UCLA back in 2003, 2004, and 2005. And in an email that uh, Bienemy wrote, obtained by ESPN, he said, in Southern California, I attended high school there. I started my career in the league uh, there with the Chargers. It's great to be back with the Bruins where he was, where I was previously employed. Uh, it's an opportunity for my family and I to return to a place that we once called home. And so the reason why this is going to be interesting to watch, I think, is here Biennemi has not had the opportunity, or he's had the opportunity, but it hasn't happened to be a head coach in the NFL. So now maybe he decides, okay, let me get back in the college coaching game. And there does appear to be a lot of college coaches going the other way, wanting to get out of this deal because of what? NIL and transfer portal and everything else. I mean, what a bizarre, you know, Chip Kelly, head coach of UCLA. I'm going to go be the offensive coordinator over here. Bye. <laughs> you know, our coach is ready. You know, the, the, I mean, Nick Saban, the man, the most successful coach in, in history, steps down. The guy that maybe could be his heir apparent that just won a national championship at Michigan goes to the Chargers. There just there, there's there's a lot of this because it's, look, some coaches don't want to deal with this. It's not the same game. It's not the same recruiting. It's not the same. Uh, some coaches are, fingers crossed, are equipped to deal with this landscape of college coaching. Eli Drinkwitz appears to be one of them, right? And so far. Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman haven't any problem with it either, you know. But some coaches we've seen that are just, I'm I'm not doing this. You know, yeah. we're seeing coaches that are wanting to leave as head coaches in college, going to be coordinators in the NFL, or coordinators, um, you know, in other college spots where they just don't have all that on their plate. And so now enemy goes to UCLA. Do you think maybe this is this is? Do you think this is just a move that? made sense in one of the moves that was that were open to him or do you think in his mind okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my chance that I want to be a head coach in the NFL but maybe if I make this move I could be a head coach in college and and have have my own team have my own program yeah it's interesting because remember we talked about him as a candidate for the Colorado Buffaloes job as the head coach when he was leaving Kansas City, and instead he goes to Washington to try to show there that, hey, I can be a good offensive coordinator without Patrick Mahomes and see if that parlays it into a head coaching job. And it it turned out the other way. You know, I <clears throat> I think he just, I mean, he's, he's done it before. But even now, wouldn't he be a hell of a recruiter? I mean, if he, he, he gets in the living room, Super Bowl ring, talking about the experiences of coaching Andy Reid and coaching Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and having that success and then everything else that he brings to the table with his personality. 
Well, and I think his honesty. You know, I think that when you get into a parents in front of parents, if you you know you you want the kind of kids that you want to play for you, they want to be they want they want honesty. They want you to tell them the truth, whether it's painful or not. And and Bienemy's that kind of guy. I would think he'd be a really good closer. The one thing about recruiting, though, to me that I guess I don't know the answer to. I, I mean, he seems like such a hard worker that he'd probably be good at this part. But to me, the biggest thing about recruiting anymore is not being able to convince the kid to come. It's 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 the work you got to do to find the right guys. It seems like he's good at making connections, though. Yeah. And and it seems like the players that have played for him and that trusted him. Yep. And that bought in, love him, yep, and that remains even after they part ways, right? Like you, that's what you hear, like Tyree Kill, Travis, yeah. all these, all these guys that. Because guess what? Some guys that first got coached by that didn't buy into it, and that's why they weren't there anymore. Yeah, and didn't love it, and it didn't work for them. But the guys that did, and the guys that did buy in, then they throw in that bond to where maybe that's the kind of guy they can keep a kid. Do some tough times or keep it, you know, because that's that's like you said, not just the recruiting; it's the retention too, yeah. being able to keep kids there once you get them there and develop them and get them to trust you. You would think that his background, growing up in Southern California, having a rough time, you know, growing up in a rough part of Southern California, probably going to be coaching a lot of kids from rough parts of Southern California. He they can he can be a good role model to them. He can be the type of person that can relate to what they've gone through with life. college player, yeah. had an NFL career, the, the 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 list of players that he's coached, the list of coaches that he's coached under, the, the, the trail of success that he's left, you know, in Kansas City. I mean, I'd be surprised if he's not very successful. It's going to be very interesting. I hope he is. I'll be rooting I'll, for him. Hell yes, I'll root for UCLA. You want me to... Jake, you want me to take a break and then go to CJ, or you just want to go to CJ? Let's take a break. You know why? Because Drake tells me to do something, I'll do it. Jake, probably not. Drake? Right. Okay, I'll break. Back yeah. after this on WHP. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Nate said, let's talk some basketball. I said, okay, fine. Let's talk to C.J. Moore, who you can follow on X, at C.J. Moore Hoops, writes for The Athletic. C.J., good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, boys? You know what? Doing, uh, I'll be honest with you, still, still it was, it was these, these damn Super Bowls take a long time to go through, you know, with all the <laughs> playoffs and everything. So I feel like we've been kind of dragging to, to catch up and wrap our arms around college basketball but you know what a time to do it with uh this the big 12 and and how well, i was gonna say it was wide open it looks like houston with that win against baylor may have uh taken a big step towards winning this thing but i anticipate the big 12 tournament to be wide open and to be crazy so we're looking forward to that but let's just start there with what i mentioned houston with the overtime win at baylor it feels like if they don't have a big slip up over the next couple of games, that uh, that was that was the big one they needed to to maybe wrap this thing up. What, what do you think of their performance? And if uh, if you think that was uh, um, that was that big step they needed to get this championship won? Yeah, they're in a they're in a pretty good spot here. They'll be um, you know favorites in their last four games. They've got 
uh, still two roadies at Oklahoma and at UCF where, where they could maybe, um, you know, give one back and, and, uh, potentially Iowa State could, could tie him. So it's, it's, it's still, you know, it's still up, up for grabs, I think. But I, I do think that Houston will at least, at the very worst, probably get a share of it. So we know what the standings say, but um, when you look at these teams at the top, and there's a bunch of them between Houston and Iowa State and Kansas and, you know, even Baylor and Texas Tech, uh, is, is there a team that stands out to you that you think is built more for NCAA, either conference tournament or NCAA tournament success than the others? Uh, I mean, all, probably the top four teams, I think, have a shot to, to go on a run. Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Baylor. Um, you know, Kansas has, has proven that it can beat the very best um, on, on, you know, one, one, in one game, winning against Houston, winning against Connecticut. I mean, those are, now they were at Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> that's a, that's a major advantage, but uh, those are two, as two good as wins as, as anybody has. And I think in the NSA in the NSA tournament setting where, there are longer timeouts um, of your bench maybe isn't as important because the games are drug out so much because, you know, you, you get, just get more time to rest. Um, that favors Kansas a little bit with its bench not being great, but um, I do think, you know, maybe Bill Self found something the other day with, with his rotation and at least he's in his bench, find it, figuring out a way to, to get his bench guys out there. But um, Houston and Iowa State are going to be tough just because those two teams are so hard to score against. And their level of physicality and um, how they guard, most teams haven't seen that. And so when you get to the NSA tournament, that's that's going to be tough to go up against. And, you know, it, partly it'll be, it'll matter how, how the officiating crews call those games because they play pretty physical ball. Yeah, that that's uh, that's exactly what I was, was thinking, CJ, when you were kind of handicapping these teams. Because I find Kansas to be... Like, you could talk yourself into thinking they can make a really deep run because, like you said, they can beat anybody. But you could also talk yourself into a scenario where they hit a bad matchup or Hunter Dickinson gets in foul trouble, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden the, the tournament all goes wrong for them. I I, I want to stick on Kansas for a minute because of the, that, that part of it. I told Stephen earlier, this doesn't seem like the kind of Kansas team to me that that is a regular season Big 12 championship type of team because that's different than being a postseason team, right? Like, it, you have to be good the whole – you have to survive the gauntlet. You have to have all the different things you need to survive a long slog against all these good teams. And without the depth this year, it just didn't seem like Kansas quite had that. Bill Self said last week before the, the time – they had that week off, so to speak, that maybe the, that they'd overcome some of that fatigue – you just mentioned that you think maybe they found something in the rotation. Do you expect to see a different Kansas team after that week break than than what we saw uh, most of league play? Yeah, potentially. I mean, it, it was it was one game and it was at home, so you know we we can't overreact too much to it. But I think a lot of this team, you know, it comes down to how well the Thunder Dickinson play. Like when he he was kind of in a little slump and missing bunnies and just easy shots that you you typically expect him to make. And Kansas offense really struggled when, when he was doing that. And then, you know, the other the other day he, he played more like you expect him to play. And um, But I did think their energy level, I mean, him and, and particularly K.J. Adams was just so juiced to play and, like, showing so much emotional energy. 
um, that I think kind of the team fed off of. So um, they did look fresher and just had more pop to them. And, and I, I do think they really needed that break. I mean, their break came really late the season that that bot, you know, not having the, the midweek game. And um, I think that was that was big for them. I think they needed that for probably about a month. And Kevin McCullough's been battling an injury. He doesn't play mm-hmm. in this game. I, I I said to Lebo earlier, as a Kansas fan, I look at it and say, gosh, I sure would love to see them still have a chance to win the Big Twelve. But because of where things stand right now, I don't know if this is the case. But if he needs more rest, rest him now. Get him ready for the postseason. Get him ready for the yeah. Big 12 tournament and NCAA tournament. Is that a factor in what they're trying to decide, how they manage him the rest of the regular season? Yeah, doesn't it feel like if, if they were trying to compete for a Big 12 title, they'd probably be pushing him out there? I, to, to me, I, thought, I had that thought on Saturday. Like, if these games really mattered for the standings, um, I, I almost feel like he maybe play, but I, I, I would, you know, may, maybe Bill Self learned from the Remy Martin situation a couple of years ago, where um, even though he wanted Remy to play, Remy didn't quite feel right, and, and they waited and they waited and they waited, and, and finally when they put him out there, um, you know, he, he, he really went to him in the in the Big Twelve tournament and kind of got him revved up and going, and um, then he was ready for the NCAA. So, so maybe that's, that'll be the approach with, with Kevin. It, you know, self said on Saturday that once he is back, he's going to make sure he's practiced for at least a week before he throws him out there. He's not just going to, um, you know, not have him practice and then play in a game. So, um, I do think they're, they're trying to be as, as careful as they can with him because they, because they want him to be able to finish. CJ Moore from the Athletic is our guest. Uh, your, uh, recent, column just posted about an hour ago uh, in, in your top 25 rankings, but you also uh, as you said, you take a fresh look at the top three teams, Purdue, UConn, and Houston and I, I'm just curious, do you believe that there is a, a drop-off after those three, and if so, how big? And then tell me who you think of the three is the best team in the nation. Yeah, I've um, you know, I've seen all three live um, I've seen Purdue and, and UConn multiple times now. Um, I think UConn and Purdue are the best two. Um, I think from a talent perspective, um, you know, they've got a little more than Houston. What Houston's done, the, the, the job Kelvin Sampson's done is, is incredible. And Jamal Shedd, I think, is one of the best, is probably the best leader in college basketball. And just like, um, you know, he makes sure that team just stays at a, is a high, high level. Uh, but I do think Purdue and Connecticut are probably on kind of a tier by themselves. Um, I think Connecticut is probably the most complete, um, most talented roster, but um, Purdue's got a really, really good top two. It's not just Zach Eady. Braden Smith is really, really good, and those two are, are dynamite in the pick and roll. Um, so, you know, and Zach Eady's the, the most dominant player in college basketball. I'd love to see those two teams face off and in April in Phoenix, but um, I think those those are probably the top two. And then there's there's a drop, but there are, you know, a, a, I'd say another ten teams that that could play with those those two, and you know, on on any given day, beat them. Okay, so uh, that's a discussion of uh, the the top tier in college basketball. I haven't had a chance to ask you about this this season, and so I, w- I would like to get your perspective. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Yes, that's exactly right. Exa- <laughs> oh, is the right way to answer that. 
Um, and look, hey, I expected a step back from Mizzou because yeah. I don't, I, I just, I just don't. I think people just didn't understand how good Kobe Brown and Des Moines Hodge were last year. They yeah. just were, and you just, you don't, you just don't, especially for a, a program where it is under Dennis Gates, you don't replace two guys like that that easy. And 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 they didn't at all. Now, John Tanji and and Caleb Grill have not been able to play hardly at all because of injury, so that made an impact. But the freshman class hasn't been good. And then guys like, you know, Nick Honor and Noah Carter, who then were thrust into Alpha Dog roles, that's not what they are. They're more role players. And I think Sean East has been good, but just he's it's not enough to carry the team. And so, but 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 that doesn't explain, and I don't think it explains away the fact that this team is dangerously close to going 0-18 in the SEC. And then you mix in the fact that the AD that hired Dennis Gates is gone, so a new AD is going to come in and take a fresh look at this. I'm not saying he's going to go, but that 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 seat could get hotter with a new AD, uh, and so he he needs to turn things around next year. I mean, how how does this happen? How do you go from 25 wins, winning an NCAA tournament game, to now becoming one of the few teams that's gone that could go 0 and 18 in conference. Uh, it's, it's when you lean on the portal is I think as hard as they have, and you just make the the wrong calls in the portal. I, I just think it's a talent problem. I don't. Um, I mean, I think Dennis showed last year that that if he's got talent, he can he can coach him up and do a pretty good job. But um, I don't think they. Did a great job in evaluation and, and figuring out the guys that um, fit what they thought they needed. I, I just don't think um, you know those those guys were were good enough. And um, what's really I think scary for Missouri is I know how many freshmen do they have coming in next year? Like five. Got a pretty big class. Five, right? Yeah. I, how many spots are you going to have for the portal next year? And you're going to be really really young. Um, you know, it could be. It could be a couple of years before they get this thing going again. Um, so you, you know, you better hope they are. You know, obviously they're they're making a push towards youth and, and trying to develop through through high school guys, and then you know maybe sprinkling some portal guys in. But um, you better get it right on those few portal spots you have, and you know you better have some freshmen that really um, show some hope because it's, it, it could be rough next year too, just based on the roster construction. Yeah, and that's a tough thing. You know, you go through all these struggles and you really don't know much about the freshman class from this year. You, you know, you would, it would be, yeah. you, you, you could take it a little bit better. Like, Oh, look, look how promising the freshman class looks, but they've been losing like this with a bunch of guys that probably aren't going to be there next year. Um, okay. So let's take a look at, uh, a couple of games that will be taking place tonight on Big Monday, doubleheader in the uh, Big 12. First, West Virginia at Kansas State. Kansas State, I mean, I, I don't know. what what Can they still make the NCAA tournament? Clearly they got to win tonight. But what's what are your thoughts on, uh, on Jerome Tang in his second year and where K-State is right now? Yeah, I, I, I think they this is a got-to-have-it game tonight i mean you lose this one then you're you're probably done i think um you know if you get to to 500 in the big 12 and one of those wins is either at kansas or at home against iowa state 
Um, and then you get a, a few in the Big 12 tournament because, you know, any win in the Big 12 tournament is probably going to be a, a decent one. Um, they might have a shot, but, um, you know, they're, they're, I don't think they're very close right now. So, um, they, they might have to go like three and one down this stretch. So it's, it's, it's going to be very important, um, that they do well. I, I, I think, you know, the second year under Drain Tang has been, it's been solid, um, not great. I think, uh, you know, obviously losing Naquan Tomlin um, hurt them. I think offensively they just don't quite have enough juice. Um, they're, they're a good defensive team. Um, but, you know, offensively, and then, then they also, you know, they're, they're also kind of missed in the portal, I think, when, when they really could have used a point guard. Um, and they got one in, in Quez Glover, but, you know, and he's been hurt. But I, I'm not sure he was the answer anyway. Um, you know, I think losing out on it, it, if Texas Tech is an NCAA tournament team and, and had a really good year and they got Joe Chisant, it was between them and K-State. I think if K-State gets Joe, um, you know, we might be looking at an NCAA tournament team at K-State. So, you know, sometimes it's just like one, one recruiting race where it, it really matters. But, um, but, you know, I, I think they've done a solid job with the roster they have. Um, not outstanding, but, but, but solid. We've also got Baylor against TCU tonight, and Stephen pointed out earlier, both teams have identical records overall and in the conference. Baylor's number 11 in the country, TCU unranked. Uh, but uh, this one's at TCU, which means you're going to have to deal with that really weird-looking floor when you watch it on TV. But uh, what do you think of the matchup? Uh, it, it, it should be a fun one. I mean, two really good offenses. Um, TCU plays play super fast so it, it, they, they should get up and down and um you know TCU's is the best transition team in college basketball um kind of been one of those years where um i feel like it's been like this for the, like the last three seasons with tcu you catch them on the right day and you're like man that team's really really good like they, they could go on a run in this tournament and sometimes they just kind of put forth a dud um i think maybe less so this year than, than last year but you, you kind of look at the, the schedule and look at their results and it's, it's kind of like that. So, um, ba- Baylor lost a tough one this weekend, man. Like they, they had a couple opportunities. Um, Ray J. Dennis misses a like easy layup in the last minute of regulation. He makes that they win. Uh, he's messy. Messi has a, uh, free throw at the end. He makes that they win. Um, and then he had like an uncontested dunk it, uh, in overtime that would have put him within one. And it just slips right out of his hand. So it was it was a rough loss for Baylor just because you know you're probably looking back and, and kicking themselves. Um, so they could they could I'm sure they could use this one tonight. But on the road it's tough. I mean you, you basically in this league fits a top half team against the top half team. Um, I'm usually taking the team as the home. Okay, CJ. So last question for you. I'm looking at ESPN right now, and they have a full five person panel discussing whether or not court storming should be banned. You should be looking at the athletic. That's well. That's right. Every, well, the, the the TV. I can't control it. Uh, so, oh, it's on TV. I thought right. you were looking. No, at yeah, the no, interweb. no. They're doing. Right, they're, they're, right. Yeah, they've got. They've got all the. They've called in every expert. You know, and they're they're showing the replay over and over again. Like there's a Pruder film. It's every angle, and there's like there's always one incident every year that leads should, should court someone be banned, and then everyone forgets about it. So so now that a Duke player has been hurt, well they got look look at this Nate they got everyone 
We got everybody out there right now talking about this. It's like the Brady Bunch up there. Right There's now, they're showing the, heads the, the, the Caitlin Clark uh, uh, footage, and they've got you got four boxes up there, and people are outraged. And so now that a Duke player got hurt, is this is this going to change something? What, what do you what, what do you what do you think about all this? I mean, we we get to this point every year, right? And, and and there does need I th- I do think there needs to be something done in, in terms of just trying to make it safer. Um, you know, one one Rob Doster tweeted out this weekend. He got, he heard from a coach that had an idea of put a shot clock up as soon as the buzzer sounds. Thirty seconds after that, thirty seconds. Hey, you're good to rush. Just get the players off the court. Um, something like that might actually might actually work. You know, um, I, I, I but I think that. There have been schools that have shown, um, you know, I, I talked to Bill after the game about it, and, um, you know, he said, like, at Texas Tech, they did a really good job with yeah. their security of, of keeping the, the players safe and getting them out of the way and, and, you know, funneling the students away from the players. So um, I do think with security, like, there's a way to, to do it right. And some of these schools just aren't prepared and, you know, need to be better prepared and, like, K-State, uh, we have an article this morning, and Gene Taylor talked about how they like practice it. And, um, you know, I, I think that schools can be better prepared. I think the only way to eliminate it is probably you say, hey, if, if you storm the court, you forfeit the game. If, if we really want to eliminate it, like, say that. And then, then you know, you're going you're gonna to ruin a win for your team? No. So I, I think that would be because fines don't work. No, no student athlete, or no, not student. No students care that like their school's going to have to pay a fine. Right. Um, so, so I think like forfeit would probably be the only only way to actually fix it. And um, it's a cool thing that happens. Like it's, it's like it's it's cool to watch and it's it's, it's a huge fun thing for 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 students to experience. Um, I mean, I'd be okay if it goes away, but I'm, I'm also like I understand how how fun it is and what you know i think this is on the schools to to figure out a way to to perfect protect the athletes because um obviously there are schools that have shown they can they can do that i can add one more way one more punishment you could do that might work and you can sound the soccer alarm if you want here drake but you know they have to deal with soccer hooligans in other countries quite a bit Mm -hmm. and a lot of times they'll make them play matches behind closed doors i mean you could you could say hey student (laughs) section violates a rule no students allowed. I mean, we're, we're emptying the student section for the next game, you know. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, students would, would probably cut that out real quick because you don't want to not don't be able to go to the next game. But I think I like what you're saying because, like I said to Stephen, a shot clock, I hadn't thought of that idea. Till, That's pretty good. Yeah, because the biggest issue, like the Wake Forest, when you look at it, those kids are rushing on the court and the Duke players never have any chance. The KU game you referenced was great because I, I did notice that. Like, they got, they, they all, somehow they got the students to hold on for a second. The players got over to their benches and there was a long line of security guards to kind of make a barrier between them so they could get off the court because that's the only thing anybody cares about. Like, nobody cares that the students are going and having a good time on the court. You don't want to rob them of that moment. You could, if you could find a way to do it where, Everybody can have their fun. Let's just make sure that the other team gets off the court first. Uh, that would that would kind of make everybody happy, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And you know, Bill was surprised that that Duke didn't because um, there was a timeout call with like a second and a half left or something like that, and they still tried to get a shot even though they were down four. Like he's like, I, I would, you know, I was surprised they just didn't line their players over by the bench and and get them out of the way. So I, I do think, um, you know. Sticking on the Duke angle, like John probably should have 
been a little more smart with how he handled that. Um, and I'm, I'm sure in the future he'll, he'll probably handle that differently. And I think he might even said so, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's silly to get a, a player hurt in, in that kind of situation, whether he plays for Duke or any, you know, whether he plays for Rutgers. So, um, hopefully, hopefully we can figure out something and, and, and make change and not just yell about it and, and complain and have guys on the ESPN that don't know anything about college basketball talking about it. <laughs> what did you think about, uh, Rick Patino's white suit? That was nice. It was it, 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 obvious. He probably should wear it every game if they're going to play like that. Right. I mean, he, you know, hey, he bad mouths his team. Then they come back and, and win two games and, and beat Creighton. So, you know, what Patino does. Right. And he yeah, had, uh, people are freaking out. It's like this dude's done this his whole life. <laughs> like he said these these crazy things his whole life, and he's in you know worn worn some nice suits. So this is who Rick Patino is. Yeah. When he wore the white suit, the game was over. Right then, you know, you knew that uh, his team would respond. Hey, CJ, thanks for the time. We appreciate it, and we'll follow all your coverage uh, at the Athletic. All right, thanks, guys. That's C.J. Moore from The Athletic talking college basketball on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Thank you so much for joining us. Sporting Kansas City did have their opener over the weekend. Nate Bikati, do you think you could trouble yourself into telling people what happened, or it was not, not a good time? It's a it's a perfect time. Really great, thanks. Um, yeah, Sporting Kansas City played to a one one draw against uh, the Houston Dynamo down in Houston over the weekend. They took the lead on a goal by Eric Tommy. It was a great goal. It was kind of a solo effort. He dribbled through the midfield, passed a couple of guys, and then fired a shot through a really tight window into the bottom corner. And Sporting Kansas City, I think that was right at about the hour mark. They looked like they had a good chance to go on and win the game, but they conceded a goal. Uh, not much after that and settled for a draw in that game. Again, typically away from home, you get a draw, you get a point out of it, you come home and you're happy with that. Um, I think because they had the lead in the game, they probably would feel like, you know, they, they'd like to close that thing out. It was in the 69th minute, by the way, Ooh, when uh, Houston wow. leveled things. So that was, that, was, that was an unhappy 69th minute. For Sporting Kansas City. But uh, they return home. They play uh, their home opener on Saturday at uh, Children's Mercy Park at 7.30 against Philadelphia. Philadelphia's a good team. They've uh, they've been one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference the last two or three years or so. They've got a, they got a bunch of veterans, accomplished, proven players. And so it's going to be a tough game at home and should be a really good game. And uh, I'm excited because I'll be doing the play-by-play on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV uh, for that game. Oh, really? Yeah, so I get to be in the building. And uh, they've got Media Day coming up tomorrow. I think for Sporting Kansas City this year, the big big question is going to be can they create enough chances through the middle of the field without Gotti Kenda? Because he's the one guy they lost. They pretty much have, well, I should say there's two big questions. Because they're, they're without two big contributors to their success at the end of last season. Gotti Kinda being one, he was a creative player in the middle of the field. He could turn, if he had his back to go and receive the ball, he could turn and run at people. He could make the type of passes and unbalanced defenses that, that give you chances in the middle of the field, which is the most congested area, right? You, you, 
I guess it's just like trying to score, you know, in, trying to get into the paint and score in college basketball or the N- NBA where there's more traffic in there, so you need a little more creativity. And uh, he really brought that for them. So, can because they, they haven't replaced him. He was a designated player. That's the guy you can pay as much money as you want to, basically, and he doesn't really count against the salary cap. You get three spots like that on an MLS roster, and Gotti Kita was one of them, and they haven't replaced him yet. So, can they find that creative play in the middle of the field? I think Eric Tommy was is got to be the guy that really brings that. And he scored the goal, so that was good. The other thing is that the left-back position, they had a young player named Logan Ndembe who really came on last year and played great. But in the postseason, he suffered a torn ACL last year. He, if, if people remember, he actually played on the torn ACL for like 60 minutes, I believe, against St. Louis, if my memory serves correctly. And helped him win the game, but he's going to be out. He won't be available till probably, I would guess, mid to late summer is what Peter Vermees said. Mid summer, and, and that you know that's pretty quick for him to come back from a torn ACL. Really fast, really young and athletic. The guy that they've got playing in his place, Tim Leibold, is a good player. He's very technical. He's got good foot skills and all that, but he doesn't have the pace that Ndembe had. And it looked to me like there was some times where the the speed of the the guys coming down the right side for Houston was a little bit of a challenge for him to deal with. So, um, you know, how, how do they how do they handle things at the left back position? Do they have enough there? Can they create enough chances through the middle of the field without Gotti Kinda? Those would be the two questions. The things that have me most optimistic about Sporting Kansas City this year: they have almost all of their defense and their defensive midfielder Nemanja Radoha back from last year. And at this time last year, they were bringing in both Radaha and, and, and Danny Rosero, who I think is a beast as a center back. Those guys were just getting started a year ago in Major League Soccer. They hadn't played for this team. They hadn't played in this league. I think they were getting adjusted to it. This year they come in, they know the system, they know their teammates, and, and I think because of that defensively, they should be pretty darn good this year. Um, and I think they should be a good team. I think they're they, – they're, I've seen preseason predictions putting Sporting anywhere from finishing second in the in the Western Conference down to eighth or ninth in the Western Conference. Uh, so, but I think that their expectation should be to be uh, the type of playoff team that can host at least a playoff round, which would be a top four finish in the West. And if you can do that, then you got a chance to make a run. So, uh, they, they don't want to get off to the slow start they did a year ago, where they didn't win a game out of their first ten. They uh, they got a draw in that first game. Let's see if they can get a win on Saturday uh, at Children's Mercy Park. How's that? Was that a good uh, breakdown for yeah, you? You tell me. Do you feel good about it? You probably like. It? I feel like I laid things out there. I tried to. I try. If you're a Sporting Kansas City fan, I tried to give you some information that you feel like uh, I'm not talking down to you. But if you're a person that's not a diehard Sporting Kansas City fan, hopefully I I did it in a digestible way that you you find interesting and can can. Uh, I'm not being funny. All right. I'm not being a smart mouth. I, this is a legitimate question to have for you. So you said you're going to be calling the sporting game. Yeah. So do they let you call it in Kansas City, or do they send you to Florida to call the game in Kansas City? So I'm actually going to be on site this time. That's not a terrible question. No, it's not. I'm, I'm, send your ass out there. Well, you know what? You were talking about Peter King earlier and how he comes to camp and gets face-to-face with people, and that makes a difference. Right. I did, last year I did 50 games for Major League Soccer, and 38 of them were on Fox, which meant I was in a studio in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, This year, when I was working on my deal to 
to hopefully come back and do more games this year. I told them if if I if I have any say in it, Ooh. I would much rather do games on Apple because you get to be at the stadium. And it's just a completely different job. Sounds like someone's making some demand. It was not a demand oh, it at all. Sounds like it's me. No, it was not a demand oh, at all. I'm not in a position could, you to You can say make any whatever demands. you want to say. That's what, Drake, does that sound like a demand? I, I'm yeah, not in a position to make demands. Sure. They well, would laugh I, me I, out I, of the I, room. I think I didn't know you were said, either. There's a difference between a request and a demand. <sighs> if you're giving is me there? my preference, this is what I would love, but I'll be happy with whatever you give me. It was, was how it was. You know that you might be known as a squeaky wheel now? No. I don't think so. I think I'm the opposite of a squeaky you, you wheel. See, I need some oil over here. Give me some. <laughs> no, I, uh, I just, I just said, hey, if 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 it's available, I would prefer to, to do as many games for Apple as possible because I get to be at the games, and it's just totally different. A request is a close cousin of a demand. I'd is say. it? <laughs> yes. Same I think a demand with. is like if I don't get Apple games, I quit. What are they saying? You know? Like, what was their like? Oh. No, they I, basically it was as simple as. Uh, we're, they just said they came back to me and said, "Here's how many games we're going to offer you, and, and they're going to be almost exclusively Apple." So, uh, still well, so Apple, you're on site. Fox, you're in the studio. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a completely different experience. I mean, we've all done games from studios now because during the pandemic, everybody had to do them that way, and so I know how to do it, and it's still f- a fun job. But like the fun meter from on a scale of of one to ten. Doing a game in person's a ten, doing a game in studios a five, or less. It's just not the same. And you know, like one of the things we want to do, and, and it's hard now because it, it was easy for me to have a rapport with Peter Vermees and, and everybody that worked at Sporting Kansas City because I was there every week, every you know once a week at least at training, face to face with these guys. You get to know them, then you develop some trust. We're doing games. You know, yes, this weekend I did Montreal versus uh, Orlando City. We do Zoom meetings with them a couple days before the game, and we get to talk and ask them questions, and that's great, but it's not the same as getting face-to-face with them. And luckily, being in the stadium, we did pregame interviews, and I got to go down on the field and talk to the head coach for both teams for a little bit. And you know how that is. There's just a completely different connection you get when you shake somebody's hand, and you look them in the eyes, and you talk to them for a while. And it's hard for us because we're trying to do that with every single team in the league. And so, yeah, man, I'm I, – I couldn't be more excited about the fact that I actually get to go to the games this year. And not to mention just when you're in the game, you, you get to feel one thing that MLS has. They have great stadiums with great atmospheres, great fan bases, and it feels it's exciting to be in the building. And uh, it's not the same when you're in a studio a thousand miles away. So, yeah, I get to be at Children's Mercy Park on Saturday. I'm excited about that. Who's your partner? Devin Kerr is, is uh, my partner this year. And I've only worked with him a couple of times so far. Good guy. We're getting to know each other pretty. Uh, you know, you're taking him around town. You know what I'm doing? I'm show him. Oh, you have, you're gonna have a barbecue at your house. Yeah, you want to come make out? Him out there, you know. Yeah. Do, do Do you give him an option? No, not on this one. No. Is it, do you think? Maybe, but I'm. I'm not. Do you think? What if he wants to go out? Yeah. And experience Kansas City. Like, no, demand. you're coming to my house. This, this, is, this another, is a demand. Another demand. I for did you. make a demand on these this these people one. are trying to. Yeah. You know. Get out and see. Don't you want to see a city? Has he been to Kansas City? If I if if I go to another town, oh. and and let's say let's say I go to, hey, I, I want you coming to my house. I got to. And they say, hey, I'm I'm doing whatever the local the local fair is there, like a, a big seafood boil or something. So you come to my house. I'm putting on a seafood boil for everybody. I'm hey, let's go. I want to do that. You doing a seafood boil? I'm doing a barbecue. 
Why don't you do a seafood boil? Because we're, we're that's I'd not what for a seafood boil. You know, I'll, I'll I do a good seafood boil. I'll have I would love to have you out well, for a seafood boil. Maybe Fourth of July this well, year. I'm 51 years old. and I haven't got that advice. I don't think you'd love it that much. It well, I just I yet. just honest to God, I just discovered this past Thanksgiving that you would be willing to come to my house for a gathering. I always thought you I would know, never. Yeah, I usually wait for an invite. Well, right. I always assumed that you're you were just laughing. You usually you, you show up. Like, I'm not invited, but here I am at your house. <laughs> and what do you want me to do? I always just well, I just always assumed you'd be like, I'm not driving decorum? all the way out to your house. The way you know, the way you're teasing me about the you know this barbecue I'm throwing for the TV crew on Friday. I all I asked you was if you gave them an option. I didn't. I did not. Uh-uh. I said, look, here's the deal, because uh, Friday's my birthday. Oh, is it? I said this is my birthday. I said now you're fishing for presents. That's what this is. <laughs> so now this is under the guise Bring of a me birthday presents. party. Here's my, it's my, you know, I'm not asking for your name. It's my birthday. When you say oh, it's your s- birthday, that's you telling someone you want a present. I, my, pre- I told them the present that is I your want presence. is their presence. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I said you guys can't turn me down. It's my birthday. You got to come to the bar- come right. to the barbecue, and then you got to pretend to like my food. Oh, they'll like your I food. I think they'll like. I make good know. food, man. I'm good on that. Smoker. How many people are you talking about over there? Try to get a head count right now. Yeah, I, um, bet you, I bet you are. Got uh, Devin. I got my producer Shaw in for sure, and then the Spanish language guys that come in for Apple. Uh, one of them is coming. The other guy's flight comes in late. I'm guessing I'll probably have about ten people at my house, you maybe up to fifteen. Invite Peter Vermees. I could do that. I, don't, I doubt he'd want to. Come and then out he could on have Friday. some. He could have some FaceTime with the broadcast. Yeah, I've got ideas, dude. All you, all, you gotta do is, all you have to I do is ask. I he's going to say, uh, no. Well, but you know what? You <laughs> never know. You thought I'd say no. That's true. That's true. There you got to remind me of Peter in some ways. Right. Well, what? because we always look angry? Because you both hide your big hearts with a with a gruff exterior. Right. You know, you guys come and with, across. And with me, I hide it with a, a layer of fat also. <laughs> we'll take a break. Back after this on WHP.